Welcome to another edition of Kentucky Fresh Brewed Politics. Of course, I'm Andrew Cooper, writer. And welcome today. As a reminder, if you like what we're doing, you want to support, you can come to our shop there in Lexington, uh, Brewed, um, here in Lexington, or the coffee shop that refuses to be canceled. You can also check us out online. Um, you can buy our coffee, our merchandise, like this sweet hoodie that I'm wearing today. Um, it's uh, shop.brewedco. That's B R E W. Um, edco.com broodco shop.broodco.com and you can check that out but we'll come to you a little later today but i do have some news for you guys to kind of go through and some very important things so listen up especially if you're a small business owner because things are about to get spicy so uh governor Bashir has yesterday announced his lifting his capacity restrictions to 60. Now, you know, the most important thing to understand about when they're going through these capacity restrictions and everything else is, is they have not ever set any goals. They've never said that if we do X, if we hit X number, uh, we will now drop this mask mandate. If we hit X number, we will now open to 100%. If we hit this number, we can now do this. Because you know what? You don't have to worry about moving the goalposts if you never set them in the first place. And it just gets a lot easier. So, so for some reason, despite the fact we've seen um, a massive drop since December in COVID cases, Governor Bashir is only allowing you to have 10 more percent capacity in the first place. Now, what a lot of restaurants and, and, and even myself don't didn't understand at first, and I started to really understand it, is what does that even mean, right? So take um, Brood, uh, for an example. Brood has a capacity of around 90, 100 is our legal capacity. So, you know, 50, 60% capacity is 50, 60 people. We only have 50 chairs in the entire place. So when we're at 50% capacity, that's technically everywhere full. Now there is a rule about needing to be six feet apart as far as it goes, unless you're from the same household. Um, you know, that's, you know, as, if, as long as you're keeping your tables apart and the, the household showing up, there's not really a big issue there. It's kind of really not anything except it highly affects bars a lot. And, and what you're going to be seeing over and over again in this fight is bars have actually been super attacked. And I can speak to why, because I, I myself am going through an ABC licensure fight. And so going through that fight, I know kind of what they're going through and why it's so hard for them to push back on these things. But he lifts the capacity up to 60, and he says, hey, you know, th this is what you get, right? You don't, not the mask mandate, that's not going away. Uh, the curfew, I don't believe, went away. Nothing hardly went away, but hey, you get another 10% on your capacity restrictions. And, and, and you know what's funny is I think it's funny that he thinks we were even really following those to begin with. I think most of us have started to realize we're seeing a lot of people not following them quote unquote not following them as it becomes more the rule as as it becomes quite clear and quite silly that all these restrictions don't seem to lead to anything in fact we've been doing the same thing for a while we've been wearing masks for a long time if anything people have been wearing masks less if anything people have been following the rules less but yet we're seeing a massive drop in the numbers now, i'm sure that has nothing to do with the cycle rate that we're doing our test at no that has nothing to do with it 
I'm sure it is because these restrictions are finally working. I'm sure it also has nothing to do with the fact that those who are most at risk and worried have also been vaccinated and starting to get vaccinated. So naturally, they're not going to go get tested anymore. And because they're not getting tested anymore, you're not having as many tests because the people who, uh, like myself, are ha pretty hesitant to wearing vaccines, uh, we're also kind of, we're not really the people to go get tested for COVID in the first place. I'm really not a person. I've yet to be tested for COVID. I, I, I'm really not the kind of person to get tested for COVID. Not because I necessarily think there's an issue, but when I'm sick, I stay home. I don't get other people sick. And if I'm so bad off that I need to go to the hospital, I go to the hospital because finding out if you have COVID or not doesn't really help you out a whole lot because quite literally there is no treatment. They don't do anything for you. That's one of the weirdest things too about COVID to me is it's this disease that we come up with a vaccine for, but, it, but we don't have a treatment to help you with like any, if, if you test positive for COVID, they send you home, they give you nothing. There's nothing for you. There's no medicine, nothing, but we've already come up with a vaccine for it. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but you know, whatever. Anyways, the point is, is that they're not, people aren't getting tested at a, at a whole lot. We're not seeing uh, that same high cycle rate. So we're not seeing um, these case count is really falling. And yet that's what we get. We get our 10%. That's all we get. However, there's a battle of Lumen and small businesses in the middle of it. And business owners like me, and any of you out there that own restaurants and, and businesses, we're going to have to be the soldiers in this because quite literally the Senate has set up the battlefield for us. I'm going to explain this. The Senate and the courts and the, have set up this battlefield that if we want to get free, it's going to end up being the small business owners versus the governor with um, on the battlefield set up by the, the Republican House and the Senate. But meanwhile, though they've set up the battlefield, given us a chance to fight, I guess, the, the Republican-held Senate hasn't given us the weaponry we really need in HB 360, and I'll talk about that, to really fight this battle. So let me explain the battlefield, okay? So we have uh, the restaurants over here and the governor over here. And what we have in between is SB 1 and SB 2. And HB 1, of course, we've, we've talked about that's held up in courts kind of it's falling in the same category um sb1 and sb2 aren't quite there yet i don't believe um but they're they're kind of all held up in this weird court system but hb1 has had an emergency hold on it but sb1 and sb2 hasn't been doing the same now as i've said in prior videos this hold up on hb1 however doesn't make a whole lot of sense so um that is the one that said that restaurants can follow the governor's mandates or the cdc guidelines whichever is least restrictive now the important thing to know is a lot of the CDC guidelines, such as mask wearing, for example, um, is suggested. It's it's not necessarily a have to, right? So um, that means that things like masking necessarily all the time, especially for employees, things like that, you wouldn't necessarily have to do. And but the governor came out and put a restraining order on, uh, asked for a restraining order from the courts on HB one. Now, what you have to understand is this is weird and abnormal. What normally happens, legislators pass a bill, they pass that bill, and then um, the, the executive branch gets to choose to enforce it or ignore it. And if they're enforcing or ignoring it, then the attorney's general's office uh, would get to come in and sue the governor uh, through the courts to either enforce it or, or to say that's an unconstitutional law, uh, or perhaps when the law goes to be enforced, a... a 
restaurant owner like myself, if it's an, uh, something to do with restaurants, can say, hey, that's unconstitutional. I'm going to fight it. I'm going to push back for it. And so I'm going to, to go ahead and see that in court. And then that's where it gets decided on whether or not it's constitutional or not. Now, what we've seen instead is instead of the attorney general getting a restraining order with the governor, we've seen the governor go get a restraining order on the legislators. And the problem is, is once the law is passed, the legislators aren't being restrained from doing anything. It's really odd. So when HB one's under restraining order, um, the legal argument definitely exists to say that me as a restaurant owner, I'm not being restrained from following HB one. I'm not named in that lawsuit. I'm not named in that restraining order. And so like for us at, at Brood, We've just been kind of following HB1 as far as it goes. And we have not been hassled by anybody. Now, in general, we don't get hassled by the health department anymore because every time they come in to cite us, we demand a hearing and they don't want to fight us in courts because it just doesn't go well for them every time. Um, and so we've been following HB1 and we've got it all posted up and things. And so HB1 doesn't have things like curfews involved. Like the other day where we posted a video where we had people in there past curfew. Like it's, it's HV1 is very clear about that. And that is the law. I'm not named in that restraining order. Well, SB1 and SB2 now are coming into play. SB1 and SB2 um, dealt with regulatory, uh, dealt with regulations, um, administrative regulations, such as the masking and everything else. And SB1 deals with the suspension of laws and the calling of an emergency. And what SB1 and SB2 combined say is that after a, emergency has been called uh it expires after 30 days unless you call a special session for the legislator to come in and vote on whether or not the emergency continues and kind of how to respond to that and then the same thing with administrative things they have to submit evidence for the change in administrative review and they expire automatically after 270 days and it has to go through a due process um and the emergency must be justified and the legislators get to review it well as far as i know on sb2 on the legislative review the governor has not uh, put in any kind of evidence to justify the emergency regulations they have not put in anything to um go ahead and and push on uh the governor has not submitted any evidence he has not submitted what he wants to continue uh that due process hasn't uh, happened so Tomorrow, Wednesday, is the last day SB1 and SB2 because it gave him 30 days. And then after that, he needs to go through legislator, which personally, I kind of like. I know I hear people arguing all the time. Well, it's just the legislators are going to session more and, and something about Mike. Listen, I hear your arguments all the time. Uh, a Kentucky legislator's job, their job, their actual position itself doesn't actually make a lot of money. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm sure a lot of them make money off of being in office, if you know what I mean. But they, don't get me wrong, by the days that they work and everything else, it's high paid, but it's really only around 20 grand or so a year. This would get them paid more money, I guess. The real way legislators make a lot of money off their position is something called pension reciprocity, which uh, I can do a video about. It's very corrupt. It's very messed up. It needs to be gotten rid of in Kentucky. But they don't make their money, per se, by being in office and um, and legislator more round. They, they, it just isn't their main push for it. Like I said, they make money off of being in office, but they don't make money from the state paying a salary all that much that makes it worth it to them to want to be in office more days just to make more money. 
However, they do want to do it to to control and rein in the governor, and, and it does shift power back into the legislature, but this is a check, right? What emergency lasts longer than 30 days? Emergencies, by definition, are supposed to be temporary in an extreme situation that people aren't prepared for. And after 30 days, the argument is as well, you know, you kind of know what's going on. If we need to continue things, the legislature is able to get into session, they're able to make votes and, and make regulations and make them work uh, as far as they need to be. And so SB1 and SB2 uh, would make it to where the, sorry, where the legislators can now, after those 30 days, be able to handle it. Well, the governor has not called them in a special session. He has not submitted anything. So what's that mean? Well, technically... Not technically, actuality, after tomorrow, uh, the governor's emergency orders are, are not legally allowed, right? They're not, they're not allowed. They don't mean anything. They don't pertain to anything. Now, what Bashir most likely is going to do is he's going to keep pretending to issue orders. Because what's going to happen is, is he's going to issue an order and then it'll take restaurants like myself or others to stand up and say, no, you can't do that. SB1 and SB2 say, no, you can't. And the reason why restaurants are afraid to push back and, and businesses is, quite frankly, they're not informed on these things. They don't know what's going on. Let me give you a story. The other day I was in the mall. I was in Fayette County Mall, or Fayette County, Fayette <laughs> Mall uh, here in Lexington. And I'm walking around and I'm shopping or whatever. And I walk into a store and they said something about... Um, I walked in and they said something about putting our, our masks on or whatever. So, you know, we put them on. If people ask me to, I personally am not one to throw a big fit. I know some of you guys feel a little bit differently about it. If I don't want to wear one, I won't go into the store. The store is pretty deserted. It was just me and my wife in there. Was it really? And, and that's where when you go into where the mask mandate makes no sense. None of these things make sense is because you know, th at that point, you're just putting it on for compliance reasons. You're, even even if you're worried about uh, COVID a lot, if it's just me and my wife in a store and the rest of you guys are 20 feet away on the other side of the, the building, 30 feet away on the other side of the building, you're just wearing a mask uh, just for compliance reasons, not because you're actually worried about what it's doing. And that's the entire problem with, I think, all the mandates is they're being done just for compliance reasons and, and they don't make a whole lot of sense when you really start to break them down. I mean, we see people running outside, walking outside by themselves, wearing a mask. Nobody's around them. It's not cold out either. Um, you know, don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, I kind of like how the mask can cover up my second chin sometimes. But at the same time, uh, I don't really, I, I, it is definitely being done for compliance sake in that case. So I was like, hey, all right, so put a mask on. And he goes, yes, yeah, sorry, this, uh, the CDC has been coming around doing audits this evening. And it was like 7 o'clock at night. And I'm like, okay. Okay, the CDC is not doing mask checks in Fayette County at 7 p.m. on a Wednesday in the mall. First off, the CDC doesn't even do that. They don't even have that ability. Second off, the CDC guidelines themselves don't require masks necessarily in every single situation, as I kind of touched on earlier. Now, maybe he's talking about the health department, but at the same time, the health department really doesn't even work at 7 o'clock anyways. He just probably heard that from somebody else that runs a store in the mall, from somebody else that runs a store in the mall, from somebody else that runs a store in the mall. And, you know, at that point... It ends up becoming a situation where, um, 
you know, that people are just working off of this he said, she said knowledge. And so even though SB1 and SB2 and, and every business has a legal right now to operate as if there is no uh, restrictions after tomorrow, once again, I'm not a lawyer, consult a lawyer or something, I don't know. But even though with SB1 and SB2 taking uh, effect after tomorrow and the governor failing to call special session, we should all be able to do whatever we want. However, businesses are going to be afraid. Why? Because the governor has weaponized ABC. So ABC can come in. And, and this is why you're seeing bars beat up on a lot, right? Um, you will see restaurants by the health departments beat up on. I know, like I said, I know a, a, a restaurant up in um, uh, Western Kentucky area that had a run in with a, with a bar and, and the health department telling everybody they can't sit around the bar. And people just feel like they can't fight back because this licensing thing. And so what you have is is the governor, What this is what will happen. He'll throw out something as a mandate that isn't allowed by SB1 and SB2. Bars will try to push back or maybe a few restaurants will. And they'll just come in and take away their licensing, their ABC license, and shut them down for a little bit until there's a hearing or what have you because the state gets to control it. And so it's going to take some brave bars that are willing to risk it all to push back on this. Now, we ourselves, we stand up to these things. The problem is they don't come after us anymore. They don't come after us anymore because, one, we have good legal arguments, but two, because they don't want to draw attention. You come after us, you're drawing attention to the fact that you can't do anything. You can't do anything anymore because these laws are in place and your restraining orders you're getting from Judge Shepard on HB1, and I don't think they've issued one on SB1 or SB2 yet. They do have pending um, motions for dismissal that he still hasn't heard, uh, as far as I know. So I, I, he's got to deal with those first, I think, before he can issue a restraining order. But anyways, um, you know, uh, because of that, they, they leave us alone, but they will go after these bars who, who rely on their licensing so much. And that's where if the legislators who've now created this battlefield that has made us put business owners in a position where we have to fight with the governor, they've created this battlefield for us, they put us in this position, they're not giving us a weapon though we need. We need HB 360. Now HB 360, and they've shelved that bill, and I'm told it's because they don't like me personally, but they need to get over their hatred for a man who holds their feet to the fire, and instead they need to, if they're going to set up this battle where we have to fight for our freedoms ourselves as business owners, give us as many weapons as possible, give us HB 360, and HB 360 stops these places. One, it returns all licenses. There's about uh, 70 restaurants who have their abc license up in the air due to COVID issues and bars um it returns those immediately and also as well it stops them from being able to take health department license and abc licenses due to restaurants pushing back sorry on the COVID 19 orders and because of that hb 360 would be like the tactical nuke we could bring to the battlefield to say, no, we don't have to follow your orders. We don't need to. We have HB 360. You you try to take it to court. It'll be dismissed. I can ask for dismissal immediately on HB 360. It's a done deal. They could do that for us, but they're not doing that for us. Instead, they've set up a battle because they want us to go through it as much as possible so they can see us fighting and losing and they can fundraise then against Bashir uh, and our anger at Bashir because we have to keep fighting him just to have control over our own God 
God-given right to property again. And that, my friends, is unacceptable. And what Bashir does is terrible. But knowing and setting up this battlefield as a legislator without giving us our needed weapons of HP 360, I would say is just as untenable and is just as evil of you to do, especially if it's being done just so you can fundraise off of it. That's really bad. So call your legislators, call your people, fight for restaurants for us, and get HB 360 passed to give the tools to restaurant, restaurant owners and business owners to fully push back on this and use the ruling, I'm sorry, use the passage of SB1 and SB2 to our advantage. Because I'm going to say it again, what you're going to run into, the governor is going to make a mandate. Nobody will know that they don't have to follow it. And so you're going to get all these restaurants and, and, and business owners sheeping up, I guess, because they're afraid of their licenses being lost and falling in line behind it because they don't want the fight, even though it's it's not just like, that's unconstitutional. No, it is literally now not legal for him to be doing that, but we had to challenge it in court. And that's the way it's being set up. And trust me, every single one of these battles won't be covered by the media. And it won't, just the same way. Look at us. Just the other day, as I said, we were ignoring curfew. Just the other day, we follow HB1. And you don't see the news covering it at all. And the reason why is because they don't want to draw attention to it because it makes them look weak. Because what are you going to do about it? You can't do anything about it. Because we are following the rules. And if you take us to court and we win, other people start to realize it. And now that becomes a problem. So instead, like I said, he's going to pass this. He's going to let you guys just follow it all along. And, you know, and, and the legislators not even bothering or trying to help us out and help those people who are maybe a little more weak need with HB 360. And, and, and pay attention, too, to the legislative calendar. And what I mean by that is, is... The, here in, I think like 10 days, two weeks, something like that, we had a magical date. And any bills that are remotely uh, controversial that Andy Bashir would veto passed after that date are nothing more than virtue signal bills done by the Republicans. And what I mean by that is, is we do not have enough time. So if we pass a bill, pass uh, here in like two weeks, pass that date, um, the governor can uh, veto the bill. He's got 10 days to veto it once it hits its desk, hits his desk, sorry. And then he returns it to the legislators and they got to vote on it again. And past that date, they just don't have the time to overcome a veto. So if you see a bill like HB 360 or like the bill I'm going to talk about here, SB 158, uh, coming up for a vote at that point and passing and then getting vetoed, they're doing it just to say, look at us, we passed something. Look at us. We No, you could have passed it a while ago. You haven't done it because you want to make it look like you're doing something and really you're not. And, and at the end of the day, too, going back to the SB1, SB2 fight, does it really matter what laws you've passed if we, the people of Kentucky, have to go get our own lawyers on retainers in order to fend you off from our rights? The Constitution and our system of government is supposed to protect our rights not make us fight with the government to get our rights back from them. That's not how it's supposed to work. And, you know, for the party that says they're the party of the Constitution, the Republican Party, which, once again, we will fight to return it to that, but you sitting there and saying that a citizen has to go out and get their own attorney to claw their rights back from the government is just incorrect. It's just incorrect. And so pay attention to the legislative calendar because if they pass HB 360 here in 10 days or so, they're just doing it at 14 days, 10, 14 days. I don't know. I got to look. Anyways, they're just doing it because 
and they want to make it look like they're doing something. Same with SB 158. SB 158 makes masking a non-requirement. What that means is, is that um, for COVID-19 or, or something such as that, wearing a mask uh, would not be a requirement. Of course, um, you know, private businesses can can do what private businesses want to do, but it would stop a mask mandate from being uh, a necessary thing. And and I know a lot of you guys, um, some of you guys wear masks I, at, at our rallies, at our events, at our things we go to. People wear masks, and that's cool, and that's fine. And you're welcome to do that, and I empower you to do that if you're worried about it and, and you're concerned about it. However, you do not have a right to force other people to do things for your own safety. I think this is a thought process people don't understand. Um, and, and, you know, we can dig a little bit into it. It's slightly biblical in the idea that in Christianity, which, you know, we, we do live in a Judeo-Christian society. In Christianity, there's an idea that we have freedom of choice out of love uh, from God gives us freedom of choice. And what that means, though, is freedom of choice means you're sometimes you're going to choose bad and bad things happen. And that's why bad things happen in the world. It's this, it's this uh, a thought process that goes into it that says, yes, freedom is amazing and great and it has downsides, but they're worth it for freedom. And it's kind of the same thing. But at, at, at the same level here, um, when it comes to mass and requiring other people to do things so you feel safer, it's just not the way our system's built upon. If you fall down and have a heart attack and a doctor's off duty standing there, he has no legal, he's a moral requirement, sure, but he has no legal requirement to give you his time and help you. You have no right to another person's time, talent, resources, or life. And you can say, hey, wearing a mask is not uh, that big of a deal. And I'm inclined to agree with you. However, the very concept that you're saying, hey, for my safety, not for yours, but for my safety, I want you to wear a mask, is, is just, it's a slippery slope to an overstep. And, and that's what everybody who's against masking, what they're talking about, is this idea that because I need to feel safer, I want you to do something for me. That's just not really American. And I know you're like, hey, love one another and everything else. And it is absolutely, uh, uh, if, if you want to say it's American to say wearing a mask to help others, and, and that's an American thing to do, that's fine. But the minute the government starts requiring it, that's a problem. That's a big problem. And so that's why if, if you want to push for a bill on masking, SB 158 is really important. Um, I believe it's caught up in committee right now. Um, I believe Alvarado, uh, Senate, Senator Alvarado, I believe I'm saying his name right, uh, is the chair of that committee. So shoot him an email. Tell him, hey, free SB 158 up. Let's get it to the floor for a vote. I could be wrong on that. i double check it later. But I believe Alvarado um, email him about SB 158. And then finally too, as well, HB 208 debate. I have challenged Huff to a debate on HB 208. I say it does exactly what I say it does. I say it gives the ability for kids to be out of school. Uh, if their if their case count is 25, which, which by the way, I'm sorry, if their case count is 25 per 100,000, which by the way, I posted this earlier, that is a completely made up level made up by the governor with, I, I have yet to see any scientific reasoning why it's 25, but nationally it's 100. So it's four times that for, for national red zone, but for our red zone, it's 25 per 100. <clears throat> so what, what the bill HB 208 uh, amendment there said was if a school is, is, uh, has 25 per 100,000 cases or, or 100,000 people, is 25 cases per 100,000 people or more, they can be NTI only. <clears throat> 
um, not only one is that level far too too low, but also it's it was wrote by a Republican that was just codifying uh, the governor's own made up levels of what is a red zone, which is crazy to me that we have this Republican legislator talking about reigning in the governor. We have a national um, um, the CDC sending up a guideline for what that is, saying it's a hundred per hundred thousand. We have a governor that makes up his own that is one fourth of that, and then we codify that. A Republican legislator codifies that in an amendment. That's crazy to me. But HB 208 does allow for schools to remain out of session less than a full five days a week. And that is a problem. And I am willing to uh, debate Huff on that. She says it doesn't do that. I say it does. I'm willing to debate her on that. However, she's yet to respond to my debate. So I don't know if she's going to do so. Regardless, I am ready to go on that side of things. So with that being said, guys, thank you so much for joining me this evening. Check out our coffee shop, Brood. People trying to cancel us, so you can come out to that. Check out um, shop.broodco.com for all your coffee needs. Otherwise, I thank you guys so much for joining me.